Welcome back to the NASPA Leadership Podcast. We are so excited that you've tuned in for another week of an episode. Um, my name is Dr. Brittany DeVisa, she her pronouns, and I'm excited to be joined by my wonderful co-host for another episode. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Melissa Rocco. I use she, her pronouns, um, hanging out here at the University of Vermont. Yeah. I feel like it's always helpful to like reintroduce your voices because I forget that there's not video because I can see you all. Um, But today we have some really special guests for our first guest star episode. Um, So I'm really excited that we get to speak today with Dr. Darren Pierre and Dr. Natasha Terman. Um, So Dr. Darren Pierre is a senior lecturer in the Office of Global Engineering Leadership in the James Clark School of Engineering at the University of Maryland College Park. What a title, Darren. Um, And then Dr. Natasha Terman is the director of the Women in Science and Engineering Residence Program at the University of Michigan. So Melissa, do you want to share a little bit why we invited these brilliant folks to join us as our first guest episode of the season? Of course. I mean, aside from their brilliant professional accolades, they're both just stellar humans. And I'm just thrilled that they're, they agreed to say yes to join us for this conversation. Um, and I, I would say primarily, re- I mean, related to our focus on leadership and context this particular season, I am just so in in awe and, and have so much admiration for these two as they have kind of started their professional journeys in, in, like many of us have who listen to this podcast, right, in kind of a student affairs, higher education educator background and in those kinds of programs. It's kind of how they were brought up and then um, have transitioned in their careers beautifully into doing leadership education work. Um, broadly within the context of STEM fields, um, you know, related to STEM and engineering. And um, those are those are areas that maybe maybe those of us in in with educator backgrounds don't often find ourselves uh, comfortable with, let alone, um, you know, confident to to engage in. And so um, I just I think it's as we see the the profession, the the profession of leadership education expand across areas of institutions. um, I just think it's so wonderful to highlight the work of folks doing um, or the work, the the work of the folks doing this kind of this kind of thing in spaces um, that are kind of in our disciplinary or academic homes. And and Darren and Natasha have some brilliant things to share with you all about that. Yeah, I echo all of that. So we will be right back with Natasha and Darren. All right, everyone, we're back. And again, we've got Dr. Darren Pierre and Dr. Natasha Terman here with us today talking about leadership and context, specifically in the context of the STEM fields um, at our institutions. Um, and so I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to have them here. Would you all like to take a second to introduce yourselves more formally? You want to share your name and your pronouns and how you kind of got into leadership education, um, maybe a little on what your journey has been like. We, we've been talking about origin stories in previous episodes about, about your origin story as a leadership educator um, and kind of what you're doing right now. Who wants to start? Darren's looking at me. I'm looking at Darren. <laughs> you know, we're like, I don't know who's going to start talking. Um, I'm Clint. just always honored to be in a space with Dr. Natasha Terman. I would be on a podcast with her about sourdough bread if someone invited <laughs> me to. And so... I'll, I'll I'll kick us off and just want to say thank you so much for the invitation. And I'm so honored, as I mentioned before, to do this with Dr. Natasha Turner, because I just think the world of her 
My name is Darren Pierre. My pronouns are he, him, his. And how I got into leadership education, I, I can sometimes be long-winded, so I'm going to try to be concise with my words. But it's a full circle moment. I started out with leadership when I was a master's student at the University of Maryland almost 20 years ago. And at that time, I really didn't see myself in a conversation on leadership. I think about the identities I carry. And when I think about the historical pathways of leadership, people who carry the identities that I carry were not often at the forefront in those conversations. And so the only way you can change the tone and tenor of the music at the metaphorical party is to attend the party. And so for me to be able to agitate the conversation, interrogate the prototypes, what we have about leadership, I had to be in it. And so I'm grateful to great um educators like Dr. Julie Owen and Dr. Susan Comavez who invited me to um, lend my voice into scholarly writing around this topic called leadership. And from there, it really started my journey with a number of years and a number of different positions within student affairs and then going on to faculty um, to now being at the University of Maryland teaching undergraduate students in the A. James Clark School of Engineering at the University of Maryland College Park. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I didn't miss anything. But about to turn my leadership journey uh, has been rich. And I think if there's one thing that I want people to leave with this conversation with is don't play yourself small in the domain in which you can do this work called leadership education. So some of you may be in student affairs and you think, okay, student affairs is the only place that I can do this work. Or you might be in a classroom setting, a classroom says the only place I can do this work or the demographic of students you work with or traditionally aged college students of 18 to 22, that's the only place you can do this work. The fact is that is a myth. And I am learning every day here in engineering that the conversation of leadership transcends academic discipline, it transcends identities, it transcends age, and it transcends higher education. And so wherever you're invited to a platform to discuss leadership, an equitable and inclusive fashion, I think you should accept that invitation. I mean, how do you go after that, Dr. <laughs> Pierre? Jeez, please. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Mel and Brittany, for the invitation to join. Um, I am a fan of my, uh, my brother, Dr. Darren Pierre, and uh, I am just in awe of being in community with other leadership educators. Um, I, when Darren mentioned a full circle type of thing, um, it's for me, the full circle is actually back to STEM, I guess, mm -hmm. in a sense, um, because my undergrad degree uh, is in chemistry and uh, from the illustrious number one, all black, uh, historically black women's college, uh, Spelman College. And uh, <laughs> it has been such an impactful and informative, like it's it shaped who I am, um, but also it also told me I don't like chemistry. It didn't like me. I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> but I persisted as many brown girls do like me who are like, you know what? There's not enough of us who look like me in this space. And so I'm going to take up some space and I'm going to get my degree. And then I got it. And I was like, mm -hmm, I don't think I'm going to do anything with this. Um, but I had uh, an amazing vice president of student affairs, the late Dr. Zenobia Hikes. And um, I was like, how does she do what she does? Like, I want to do that too. What is this? What is this world? And that's how I learned about student affairs and higher education. Um, and so I 
you know, pursued my my master's degree um, in that. And I didn't get into, I think, leadership until I started my formally, like as a, I would don myself a leadership educator um, until I started my PhD at Loyola um, and having to have the pleasure of working alongside Dr. John Dugan. Um, that really kind of um, opened up the doors for me. I think informally, I, I engaged in student affairs roles that allowed me to nurture and develop the leadership potential of um, emerging, you know, professionals. And I was very always intentional about doing that at the intersections of students intersecting social identities, elevating those and centering those that often haven't been centered in higher education. Um, and again, being able to plant seeds of, of like, you know, leadership within that space, but to, I guess, explore leadership uh, scholarly, um, to teach it and all of those things um, really kind of emerged for me um, in my doctoral journey. Um, and it's been a great space to to kind of see all of the intersections. So I think my leadership journey um, has been intersectional and critical. Um, and I um, I feel like that has allowed me to, 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 I won't say pivot, but like to focus in a STEM context because I believe in, as we all, you know, discussed, like leadership is interdisciplinary, right? It, sh it doesn't just belong to one entity. Um, and so being able to engage with students who sometimes think very, have tunnel vision, you know, when it comes to their discipline, um, mm -hmm. but how do I help them cultivate their leadership identities as they're pursuing their engineering degrees or their biology degrees or want to be future doctors, understanding what that looks like critically and intersectionally, um, is really important for me um, because I, I tell them all the time, like you all, um, I, I hope that you will be um, critical consumers uh, in the worlds that you're navigating and that you will think dynamically about how the, the inventions that you're making, the, the new innovative ways of science and STEM that you're coming up with, how, how that's gonna have an impact on the larger world and how you can be, um, how you can lead the discussion, right? How you can shape that and how your identities uh, can guide you in light of, right? And not in spite of what that looks like. Um, so yeah, I think I have been, the full circle is like bringing me back to STEM, but not as a chemist, right? But being able to uh, help shape and, and engage with emerging STEM professionals as they are on their journeys um, has been beautiful to be able to kind of sit at that in that space. And so, um, yeah, I hope I answered all y'all questions. <laughs> oh, you did. I have so many, so many thoughts and I'm so excited to talk more with y'all. <laughs> yeah. Natasha, I don't think I realized that this was like a full circle career moment for you to come back to STEM in this way. And I think, you know, Dara and I um, is behind the curtain got to have lunch yesterday. And one of the things we were talking about um, that I think I really admire in both of you is that I think it is really, um, I, want, I don't want to say easy. It's, it's something to do leadership ed work in this way that we were quote unquote raised in the field, right? In student affairs and with people that, you know, sometimes get what we get and um, at least know the disciplines and the scholars and the people that we're reading and sometimes already know the importance of leadership education. But for you all to be able to go in these new spaces that have maybe not always thought about leadership the same way we have, right? As relational and interdisciplinary and inclusive and equitable um and really be able to do that work on the ground is just it's it's so cool to me and I think that I'm really excited for us to keep chatting because I agree Melissa I've got like 8,000 follow-up questions <laughs> that I just want to keep picking your brains on but um I think in your introductions just yeah I wanted to note that that is amazing 
Cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break, um, but we've got a lot of questions when we come back. So we're excited to keep talking more. Welcome back, everyone. I am thrilled to be able to dive right into these questions with Natasha and Darren. Um, I mean, we could go so many ways with this topic of leadership in the context of STEM fields. Um, And I want to, maybe I want to preface this with saying one of the things I'm so thrilled about getting to, to chat with you all is that I think oftentimes when we think about when the world thinks about leadership in the context of a discipline, they usually think about it as preparing people within that discipline to hold particular like roles or um, authority or administrator responsibilities within within the field, like from a job perspective, right? And what I think is so important for us to remember, and I know that you all center in this work, is that when we're talking about doing leadership education work in the disciplines, we're really talking, from our perspective, we're really talking about identifying the leader within, almost like leader is a part of the identity, right? And Natasha, you mentioned this earlier in your intro, about leader identity, leadership identity, and then how that then translates, like that's separate from a discipline, right? But then that translates differently for different contexts. And and when you add the contextual lens of working in a STEM field, how does that leader identity then come out and which ways can that be connected to, to that context? So I think that's really important, right? That we're not talking about developing people for specific roles only, right? That there's more to it. There are more layers to it than that. And so the, that I think is a is a good preface then to this first question is you know focusing on students or learners that you're working with in the STEM context, um, you know having come from a more from an educator kind of centered background and now working with students who will go on to work in STEM fields. Share more about what you're discovering um, about you know the the learners that you're working with in this context and and how that translates into the work that you do. Well, when I I I don't think that they're any different than the students who yeah. might be SGA, you know, or, you know, right. or things like that. And it's fascinating because I think sometimes um, there is a, an assumption that they're going to like, you know, they do, they're very, 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 I guess, focused on that, that STEM pursuit. Um, but when I have a conversation, my entire second semester course for the students who are in the Women in Science and Engineering Residence Program, I guess the caveat, of, I'll back up and say that, um, my program supports gender minoritized students interested in science, technology, engineering, and math, and they all live together um, and they learn together and they take a year long membership course with me. And so um, I take full advantage of, uh, advantage of that um, and kind of putting my my agenda. So, you know, I get to sprinkle my leadership uh, juice in there. And so I dedicate a whole semester into that. You know, the fall semester, we focus on identity, we focus on intersectionality. So I'm laying the foundation because for me, those are critical when we talk about cultivating your leadership, you know, in whatever context and space and the very same conversations that I have had with students in other disciplines manifest right to in those students in engineering, they're still navigating, you know, I don't call myself a leader. Like I don't view, I don't, I'm not doing anything. I'm not, I don't have a title. I'm not in a student organization yet. I'm just Mm -hmm. a first year student or I'm just a sophomore. Like I'm not in a role where I feel like I have authority or impact. Um, And so I find that that's very interesting that while I have a very targeted audience, they, you know, as we, as we know, leadership is learned, right. And, and, and the socialization around who views themselves as such 
you know, transcends disciplines. And, and I, you know, look at my students and I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay. You guys too. Okay. Come on. Like, how do I, how do we disrupt this? How do we like unlearn that you have to feel like you need to be in a, a titled role, positional role. You know, someone has to, someone has to view you as a leader before you view yourself as one. Um, and so um, having to disrupt that, uh, you know, I, I would, I don't know why I thought it would be less. I don't, I'm not sure, but um, it is very much so still persistent. Um, I don't know if Darren shares that, you know, his observation with his students, but um, it, it's really interesting that I, I guess I thought that there would be a different level of efficacy um, and maybe confidence around being a leader, maybe when you overlay STEM, but it's actually not that way. It's probably less. Um, and I had my students take the Aspen index and it's very much so like the perception and the competencies around that are not as high as across other disciplines compared to their pursuits to STEM. So very interesting. Yes. I ditto everything that Natasha <laughs> just said. I totally agree. I, I believe that students that I have the opportunity to work with, whether it's in STEM or in other spaces are looking for three things. Do, am I seeing? Am I finding mattering? Am I finding belonging? And the space that I get to do that in is in a classroom. And I want students to feel seen. And so from the readings that I assign to the videos that we show, I want to uh, incorporate a diverse composite of speakers and voices and journeys. I want people to feel like they matter. And so how we engage in the conversation is very dialogical in nature. Let's have a little bit of a banter. And I want people to feel a sense of belonging in my classroom space. And I hope that those things then mirror into all the other spaces in which they'll do leadership work, be it in their professional roles in engineering after they graduate from Maryland, or right now in a co-curricular space like a club and organization. I wonder, the question I have, because Natasha brought this up around the efficacy piece, and I can't think about leadership without context. And uh, Dr. Terman is at the University of Michigan in good old Ann Arbor. I'm at the University of Maryland in good old College Park both flagship institutions with rigorous academic requirements. And so my students come into my classroom really on, they're on an Olympic run and it is fast and it is fierce. Yeah. And I sometimes wonder if the context complements the efficacy. So when my students don't come in very efficacious around leadership, it's the comparison to the thief of joy. And the thief mm -hmm. of joy is all around them in the context of a top tier Research One flagship public. So if our context if our context shifted, maybe we would see things a little bit differently. Um, I didn't mention this before, but I oversee our minor in global engineering leadership. And it is such a rich experience for me to be able to hold faculty space in a discipline that is totally foreign to me. It's like singing the Lord or a song in strange land because I'm in a land of engineers uh, and I am not an engineer, but I feel so fortunate and blessed to have the opportunity to hold space with colleagues who I respect, I revere, and I learn from because their discipline is so dynamically different than mine. Where I find the um, nuance in the conversation is deal is not dealing, working alongside 18 to 22 year olds. That's the primary age group of of students I get the chance to teach. So some of you on this call have been in graduate programs with your peers. You probably had a professor who they would throw out one concept and that'd be a 55 minute conversation. Like, let's talk about race. 
And that's like, oh, that's a whole hour. Yeah. I just talk about race and I better have 15 other activities to go alongside that because the energy <laughs> of an undergraduate student at the University of Maryland is not going to engage in that way. So I find it more from the positionality of being a faculty member is where I see the difference because I really have to think uh, critically um, and deliberately about the pedagogical techniques that I'm going to use to get to the end goal, which is having conversation that leads to those three places of people feeling seen, feeling that they matter, and feeling like they belong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Darren, something you just said sparked for me. I actually was talking to a student yesterday who's in STEM um, and who had just taken an exam and was feeling a little defeated and we're having a conversation. Um, and one of the quotes they said to me was, all I am right now is my grades because I'm trying to get into med school, right? And I think, and then trying to talk to her about like humanizing that, right? Before I can even get to the conversation around like, how do you show up as a leader in this space if you only think that this is this transactional, you know, like let me get the grades to then get the next step and then do the things and find myself in the field and thinking a lot about, yeah, what you're talking about. Like a lot of students see like I have to hit these markers and these check marks because I've got this next thing I have to do, right? Get the internship in engineering or get and do the MCAT well or whatever it may be. But these fields have been so historically transactional right of like how do we get people to the finish line that you all doing this work is probably blowing their minds of like what <laughs> what else the work working as a stem professional could look like it's not just getting your piece of paper and then trying to find the next step yeah i think that's really um important and i think because i i still get to where i guess my student affairs hat in a sense, because I direct the program and then I'm the faculty lecturer mm-hmm. for the program. And so I get to kind of observe my students in multiple contexts, um, to Darren's point around context. And so I'm, I am trying to intentionally bridge, you know, those, those worlds and, and help them to see like on a meta level, like you're not just your grades, right. Mm-hmm. And you're not just an engineering student, um, but you are all of you. And that's why we spend time in talking about identity and STEM context. We talking about, you know, the intersections of those identities, um, and then also then what does that look like to affect change, right? Because that's what leadership is for me. And so whether you're trying to affect change as, you know, a, a, a robotics engineer or, you know, as a neurosurgeon, like what does that look like? And how are you now more mindful of the world in which you situate yourself, like your positionality in this space? Like, I think so often to Darren's point, like we we have a very niche, you know, age group, right? And they are very dualistic. They have, you know, their their stocks of knowledge, their worldviews that they're coming in with. And my job is to create those novel situations that disrupt and that draw into question and help them to kind of start to interrogate what I've always thought to be true. And what I've always thought to be like, you know, those are, we all have stocks of knowledge, right? And so until they are brought into question, we're going to keep functioning how we function. And so, you know, they get indoctrinated and, and socialized in their their various disciplines around this is what it looks like to be a student, to be a faculty member, to be a leader in that, you know, industry. And so how do I help them kind of think more critically in, in question, right? To, to, to deconstruct or reconstruct type of thing, right? To um to really kind of say, how do I want to show up? Like have agency mm-hmm. to say, this is the, the space I'm navigating. Yes, I'm being trained as X, right? But how do I allow who I am to be a different version of what I've, you know, or, or to elevate the formal training that I'm getting academically um, so that I can affect ultimately affect change um, in that that area. And so a lot of, I mean, 
it's a seed. I realize I'm like, they, they, the light bulbs go off yeah. junior year. Like mm-hmm. they're not, they're not getting it right now. Like they're like, eh, I hear you, but like, no, I, I need to get this A. And so yeah. also, and then I think it, it, as they get older and they start to have these moments, I feel like my job was to plant the seed. And so, so many folks after graduation, you know, we have a, a, you know, annual senior celebration and I'm like, they're coming up to me, like that conversation we had on X, Y, and Z, like I, you know, my junior year, this happened and it really like dawned on me, like, that's exactly what Dr. T was talking about. And so I, I, I relish in those moments and I know that, you know, it's going to take some time and it's, it's delayed gratification. Uh, (laughs) um, And so I think that that's something I have to get used to in this space, because, you know, you think about leadership and working with student, like student orgs and stuff like that, like they get it because that's what they're in. And they're like, yes, committed to the cause. I'm, you know, I'm in it to win it. And this space is kind of like an add on. And it's like, this is a part of my toolbox. They said it's important. Michigan touts being leaders and best. Um, so I'm going to, you know, focus on this leadership part, you know, that everyone says is important, but I don't think they really get it until they are in spaces where it's drawing into question and they've had to make some choices, right? So um, I don't know, I just went on a rant, y'all. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> if, yeah. if I could put a pin in this conversation to the point you're making earlier, Brittany, your students also coming out of, for lack of the worst trauma. We've we've yeah. had a pandemic, we've had a racial pandemic, we've had a pandemic of illuminating injustices in our world. We are currently dealing with some things in our society domestically and globally that we've never seen before. Last night in class, um, I had my students do a reflection. Pedagogically speaking, if there's something that I need to, that I feel called to put more into the space in STEM that I may not feel in education or in the uh, humanities is reflection. Because listen, when you're doing a calculus problem, there is a solution. You know, there is an answer. There is a, so the need for reflection is not necessary. But when we're talking about leadership that lives in the gray, reflection is necessary. And so I think one of the distinctive pieces of STEM is the need for those leadership educators and student affairs or any other discipline who's listened to this podcast and they're thinking about what do I need to do when I'm thinking about this work called leadership in a STEM context is offer reflection. So that your students reflecting on, yes, I want to make all these great grades to get into medical school, but what has put this pressure on you? What has your journey been like to get here? What traumas are you potentially responding to in um, non-productive ways, um, non-loving ways, non-developmental ways that have you situated in this space where so much of your worth is equated to your grades? STEM uh, is a key place, I think, for those conversations on reflection, exercising a muscle that a lot of students have not necessarily had the opportunity to exercise because the discipline doesn't really lend itself to that. Very much so. And and being okay, being uncomfortable. And I think, you know, my students are probably like, why do we got another reflection assignment? Why are we doing discussions? Like I also have them engaging in discussions because I need you to understand the perspectives of others, right? And so, and I need you to also co-create. I'm not going to, I think they're also used to banking content. Mm, yeah. um, you know, and so now you get to, you get to construct it and you get to co-create what we're going to learn and help your peers learn. And then now you need to engage in a conversation around it. So pedagogically, that's another approach in the space that they don't 
often sit in um, when they're learning very technical content. It's more of just banking it, getting it, knowing it, memorizing it, where now I'm having you to create it. And now you need to also facilitate it and then um, help people unpack their feelings around it. Um, and that stretch, like people are uncomfortable. They're like, oh, wait, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't know this was going to be like, no one told me that that's what this class is going to be about. So, um, so yeah, I concur, Darren. Um, it's very important to interject in different ways too. Well, and we're, we're already getting into the second question, but really about kind of the shifts you've all seen in your own kind of personal professional development as, as you've made the switch into STEM spaces. I mean, you're talking about some of this right now, right? The the different pedagogical approaches that you find. Um, and even if we're taking out the terms, right, just the different, the learning and development kind of t- tools in your toolkit that you need to pull out in different ways at different times, or um, you both have talked about both, you know, moving into the space where you, you know, as faculty members, you're in classrooms, but you also carry responsibilities in the co-curricular context of your work, right? And that certainly connects kind of to that student affairs upbringing of people that kind of float between spaces, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm I'm just, I'm so curious to, to hear you all reflect a little bit about how your own kind of personal professional development journey, um, kind of ha- how that focus has shifted and, and what has been the impact on you personally as you engage in, in these new kind of disciplinary focused spaces, but as interdisciplinary leadership educators. Mm-hmm. I love the intersection. I love sitting um, kind of in the at this in-between, you know, we all have terminal degrees and, you know, we are trained in one way or another, right? You're you're going to be groomed as faculty or you're being groomed as an administrator. And I was like, I want to sit at the intersection. I want to be at the middle. And um, because I, I value what knowledge can, can be, you know, can manifest at that, that space in between. Um, and so I, um, I also find myself also continually bringing through a STEM lens, you know, that training, you know, being able to work on, you know, infusing critical perspectives in leadership spaces, I have now, you know, broadened that to talk about what that looks like in a STEM context, right? And so any discipline warrants and and is benefited from infusing a critical perspective in that space. And so I, um, I love that that's been where I guess I've trained my home, you know, in the leadership space, but I can now apply this because, you know, I'm thinking more, you know, intersectionally and showing that the ways in which, you know, leadership shows up in some some of the same challenges and caveats and and how that should be intersectional, how it should, you know, you know, shift the paradigms and all of those things are important in STEM because those those STEM contexts, particularly engineering, have always been exclusive, have been predominantly white, male. And so it's some of the same things that we unpack with leadership, right? And leadership spaces and who's present and who's not, who's in the margins, very much so exists within the STEM context too, right? Even in 2023. And so um, so I I'm excited to be able to like leverage all of that, that, that training and, and insight as I've cultivated kind of, you know, this critical scholar perspective um, and applying it into STEM and faculty are eating it up. Like they, they are like, oh, wait, so how do I do this? And like, what does this look like as this, you know, I'm teaching, you know, this physics class, you know, what does it mean to infuse a critical perspective in this? Right. And so I'm just like, okay, how do you, how are you privileging other, you know, 
texts and 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 perspectives and media um, and different content and and, rep- and representing and recognizing the different learners in your space and pedagogically how are you understanding what's necessary for this content and are you just teaching how you were taught um, and so I even beyond my student reach I find myself also kind of um, I don't know giving back I guess or, or or connecting with the faculty in STEM spaces to help you know, make their teaching and learning more dynamic and broader. Um, I just came back from UC Irvine last week uh, for their first annual like teach day and, you know, to talk about infusing critical perspectives into STEM education. And so, you know, faculty were like, oh, I, this is a whole new space. Like what, this is different. Like what is, you know, so I, I wouldn't be able to have done any of that had I not gotten understood understood what that even meant in a leadership context um, and being able to see the the connections and help others see the connections, um, you know, and not feel like these have to sit in these silos. Um, so yeah, I, I've enjoyed, you know, being able to have that, that multi-space perspective. I'm using my hands like someone's going to see this podcast visually. So I love it. the world that's listening, just know I'm using my hands right now. <laughs> Dr. Rocco, I'm going to do my best to answer your question. And if I don't, just redirect me because sometimes <laughs> I can take a question and make it something that was never meant for it to be. So just let me know. For me, the doctoral journey was about being free. I just Mm -hmm. want to be free. That's all I want. I don't want to look at any job description and look at the qualifications and be like, I don't have what it takes to do that job based on what it is that's required. I I don't want to live in that space. So for me, it's about freedom. And in my first role outside of my doctorate, um, I was meeting with our wonderful dean of students at the institution I was at. And she said, you know, what the PhD did for me is it offered me the understanding that any table that I'm that I'm invited to sit at, I should sit at. And mm-hmm. I totally agree. And so I feel like for me, it's about freedom and it's about honoring the tables that you're invited to sit at. When you know your stuff, you know, as I said before, Dr. Terman is just one of the most brilliant people I know. So it makes sense that she goes to Irvine um, and people are in awe of what it is that she has to share. It's in all because of her brilliance and it's also her confidence. And so as educators, we have to know our work. When I go into a room and I'm making an argument for why leadership is important in in engineering, I can tell you about the research that showcases that when engineers know the technical skills of whatever their engineering discipline is, and they don't have that complemented by interpersonal connections and understanding, you can't build a bridge without people. And you can't have people without relationships. So it's not just anecdotal, it's research-based. And I think as educators, whether you're in a co-curricular or curricular sense, you need to honor that. The second is, is that honor that you're an educator, hard stop. That doesn't, that that transcends higher education. And, you know, when I think the seed was first planted for me, that I could do leadership education outside of the traditional role of student affairs or education was, as I was telling Brittany yesterday, during the pandemic at my former institution, there was a contract that the business school had with a large corporation where they would have one of the business faculty come in and do a whole day workshop for leadership. 
the institution, the college would make a sum of money off of it, and then the professor would go and kind of do it. Well, that professor that year, because we were in the midst of pandemic 2020, couldn't do it. And so the dean of the college of business called the dean of the college of education. Does anyone in education who can do this leadership program? Because we don't want to let this contract go. And so then the dean called me and I was like, I can't do that. I talk to students and I'm in education. I can't talk to, you know, the man, corporate <laughs> America, if you will. But my dean then explained to me the monetary gains that would be there for the College of Education. Those of you who know anything about a College of Education, they have about $3. So if someone offers you <laughs> six, you now tripled your uh, annual budget. So <laughs> once he said that, I was like, okay, well, you know, let me do my public good service. So anyways, I did this program, this day-long program for this corporation. And I was in shock of how it resonated. I was shocked about the feedback they gave after that. And they enjoyed the program so much that the next year, they asked if I would do it again. By that point, I was here at the wonderful land of the University of Maryland College Park. And so uh, someone from Loyola, which is my former institution, called me and asked if I would do this program. And I said, no, I couldn't. And then they went back to the corporation and said, no, he's not going to be able to do it. And they were like, well, if he's not going to be able to do it, then we probably are not going to move forward with this program anymore. Mm -hmm. And so then I got a phone call back saying, you know, <laughs> I honor that you said no. I honor where you're at. And I also want you to know that the space in which you talk about leadership transcends mm -hmm. a college of education, transcends mm -hmm. a college of business, transcends a university setting, because yeah. this conversation is needed, period. And if we're going to really be the mm -hmm. actors who agitate our world to be more fashion for inclusion, diversity, and equity, then we have to get out of our comfortable paradigms of where we do this work. We have mm -hmm. to go to the spaces where people don't speak the same vernacular as us, mm -hmm. whose political ideology does not follow the same vein as us. And going back to the original point, the PhD, while it made me uncomfortable to be in that space, when I was invited to the table, I sat there. And so whether you have a PhD or you don't, whether you have a terminal degree or you don't, whether you have a graduate degree or you don't, if you know your stuff, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you're invited to the table, sit there and honor that your educator, hard stuff, irregardless of the context, um, mm -hmm. because this, this work is important and it transcends some of the places that we sometimes give our imagination thought of where it can be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think on on that note, you know, um, yeah, Darren told me that story yesterday and I had like 8,000 follow-up questions. So if I'm not asking the follow-up questions you all have, um, we'll leave his contact information somewhere so you can ask him all of it as well. Um, but thinking about, yeah, that transcending, and I think that's where Melissa and I were brainstorming this season, really wanted to find those spaces, right? Because the audience of this podcast is um, typically, I'm using quotes, right, more traditional student affairs practitioners. They're finding NASPA, right? They're finding a NASPA leadership podcast. And we're so glad they're here. But many of them are probably like Melissa and I right now and being like, this does need to happen elsewhere, right? And feeling really inspired. So um, our third um, question for you all is really, it's you all are thinking about, and Darren and I have talked about this too, um, you're probably not reading our kind of canon student affairs literature anymore, right? That's not the discipline that you're primarily sitting in. You're sitting in this engineering space, and this leadership space, and um, these different interdisciplinary nature of that. And we say that leadership is interdisciplinary, but we don't always think about that within the STEM context. So what are you all reading right now? What are you learning? What is your field um, 
talking about an offering that may be different than other people are thinking to look at? What should we all be reading, listening to um, maybe new scholars you're finding or other places we can be finding more about how we should be talking in the STEM context around leadership, learning, and education? Listen, I made a, a vow and I was never going to read anymore after getting a PhD. So, <laughs> Unfortunately, I've not been able to hold that vow true. Uh, <laughs> Um, and, but I, it's interesting. I find myself, um, when I think that the work isn't actually being done, like, or, you know, when I think about, you know, some of our, you know, very student affairs vibe of work, um, I've actually found that showing up in small, very glimmer, you know, pockets, um, in some STEM context. And so I've been able to like introduce my students to, you know, the importance of, of, you know, STEM self-efficacy, you know, with researchers who were understanding and, and thinking about what that looks like, um, in STEM, you know, particularly engineering context was one of those. Um, but I also, you know, don't divorce myself from, you know, talking about, you know, if, for example, Yoso's work in, in community cultural wealth and helping my mm -hmm. students who hold multiple minoritized identities understand the capital that they have as they're navigating their STEM spaces and what that also looks like. Um, I think outside of reading some spaces that I have tried to start to think about, you know, taking up space in um, is uh, like the AAC and you has, you know, an entire um transforming STEM conference and mm. um, they, you know, it's like Project Kaleidoscope and how, you know, how can I start to introduce some of maybe the work that I would leave in NASPA world or in ACPA world? How do I bridge that, you know, to those spaces? Because that's a whole different audience. Um, and so I think we also, um, as student affairs professionals, need to think about some other spaces outside of the traditional avenues that we have gone to because those folks meet like to Darren's point, like, you know, your stuff. So if you're, you focus on DEI, like you can do that in multiple spaces and it doesn't have to just, you know, be relegated to our home, you know, disciplines mm -hmm. and our home arcs. And so, um, so yeah, so I think, you know, I, I've gotten a couple of manuals around like mentoring women in STEM and, um, you know, some readers on, um, what it looks like for like gender minoritized folks in leadership roles within STEM context. And so um, that's actually a new book. I wish I had it with me so I could tell you the actual author, but one of my little sister, one of her line sisters, excuse me, her bigs and her sorority is a, has a PhD in like an amazing intersectional engineering and bio something, something. And so um, I, she was like, you need to get a book. Duly, I will, I will sure, I will support. Um, and so, yeah, so I, again, while I begrudgingly <laughs> like to read, I have to lead by example, right? That's what they tell us, right? Lead by example. So I do try to um, keep my, my hands in a little bit, a little, little tip in the, in the water of, of literature um, so I can stay a little fresh, but I also know just in practice, I try to also, you know, get into some spaces that maybe are atypical um, that I would maybe usually find myself um, with the student affairs background. Um, two books I read recently, and then I want to uh, shift and, and share about something else too. Um, the Digital Mindset, uh, What It Really Takes to Thrive in an Age of Data, Algorithms, and AI. 
I am reading things now that I probably would have never read before, but my mind mm -hmm. needs to expand. And so I know my student affairs literature. I know my student development theory. I know those things. I know leadership. But we're we're in the land of AI. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not going anywhere. And we've got to know how to respond to what the upcoming trends are. So that book is one that I really enjoy. And then two alums from the illustrious University of Michigan wrote a book, uh, Erica James and Lynn Perry Wooten. They wrote The Prepared Leader, uh, Emerge from Any Crisis More Resilient Than Before. And they talk about from their roles and positions, one is the president of a university, the other is the dean of... Um, Wharton School of Business. Mm. Uh, and so they talk about what was it like to be leaders in the pandemic and uh, mm. whether or not you like it or not, whether or not you want to or not, you are going to find yourself in leadership in time of crisis. It may not be a pandemic, but it might be uh, a recession. It may not be a recession, but it might be a, a racial reckoning. It may not be a racial reckoning, but it might be a natural disaster. And how do you think about your work from being prepared for what those things may be as the best that you can, knowing that, you know, we can't predict the future. So The Prepared Leader uh, is one book that I really enjoy. And then The Digital Mindset, two books that are totally outside my typical realm of discipline. The other piece I would say is this, you know, back in the day when I was in student affairs and we always about faculty and student affairs collaborations. And my dream was like, oh, I wish I could talk to faculty. I wish I could have <laughs> faculty colleagues. <laughs> now I got, that's all I got. I don't even have student affairs colleagues. It's like all my colleagues <laughs> are faculty, the people who I never knew how to relate to. And the truth is the utility in my work was just as strong then as it is now. The difference is, is my belief in myself that my voice has space and contribution. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. And so if you're working in the student affairs unit right now, you are the coordinator of student leadership programs at whatever institution, and you really believe in the work you're doing. You really believe that leadership is a conversation that every discipline, whether it's mathematics or mechanical engineering, that they need to have an understanding of this. Then start to ask your students, who are those faculty who you really enjoy? You really enjoy. You go to their class and you really vibe with and then you find out their names and then you say, hey, can we do coffee and say, listen, I'm a big believer from the work that I do as a scholar, as a practitioner, as an educator. That this work called leadership, this discipline called leadership, it has profound impacts on the experiences and success of students in various fields. I would love to see how we could work in a collaborative fashion. Like really sit with what it is you do. And if you don't know what it is you do, then you need to go back to the drawing board of, of what it is, okay? Because um, I think one of the things, this is for another podcast for another day, <laughs> but educators root their work in the discipline. They root their work in evidence-based practice. They root their work in intentionality. They root their work in the research. And if you're not rooting your work in something, then you need to go back and repot your metaphorical plant and get some roots. Meaning, like, I think inventories are wonderful. And I'm going to let this go. I'm going to let it go. I think they're wonderful. 
but they are they are a gateway drug to self-awareness. And if the outcome isn't about self-awareness and you're just having people do this tic-tac-toe of a of a inventory without intentionality, without theoretical frameworks that are backing it, then you're doing a tic-tac-toe of an inventory. And that's what you just did. You played tic-tac-toe. You were a game player, not an educator. And so if you really want to root your work in education, root your work and evidence-based practice with broader intentionality that then you're utilizing the inventory, whatever it may be, as part of your curriculum to enhance leadership learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah, I'm probably, to gonna, be, any I'm of probably that, not uh, going to be invited to any more podcasts. I've heard someone's going to hear it. Like, well, you're not going to you're not gonna be invited by any inventories. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, so right, I just, it's yeah, so right. I, and I appreciate the, I appreciate what bo- you have both said, which is that the ultimately as an educator, your job is to focus on learning and development of, of people, right. Not, not just students, right. Of people in spaces where they're, where they are expecting to, to grow and you can do that work well or not well, um, in, in no matter the space, no matter the context and that it's, it's doing the work yourself, right. As a professional, you all have had to do the work to get smart on the context that you're in. Mm -hmm. And then to be able to connect that context to what you know, and be confident in what you know, as an educator and, and remaining confident that what you do and what you know has value in the new context or the new space that you're in. I mean, that's the intentionality behind that is, is just so clear in what you both have said. And I think I, I I know my wish for everyone listening to this podcast would certainly be that you that you understand the power and the knowledge that you have and that you that you can work to develop the confidence to to bring that to spaces that need it. Um, I think you all did such a great job talking about boundary spanning in that. And and that I think is such an important message for, for our listeners. Darren, I think back to your rooted conversation. I think that's one of the reasons I think the NASPLASIA podcast started, right? Is that oftentimes practitioners are moving, they're grooving, they have a lot going on, right? They don't have time to pick up every new um, article that comes out of any journal or every new book or things too. But um, I do know, I'm certain that our listeners will want to hear more from the two of you. Um, so our last kind of question for you all is where can people be looking for your voice? Are you at conferences? Are you writing? Um, where can they be looking to learn more from you on STEM or beyond, right? Um, and grounding their practice um, in the great work that y'all are are doing. This is your time to self-promote all your good your good work. <laughs> I, uh, I, I just want to I want to just pin one more time. I think inventories are lovely. They are lovely. <laughs> they just need to be part of a bigger conversation. So I, yes. if you're going through colors and you're like, gosh, I love it now. He lets me throw it away. No, just keep it. But what was the bigger point? Like, you know, <laughs> dinner, the bigger point is for your family to have nutrition. So what is the bigger point behind what it is you're doing? Don't just cook the meal. Anyways, let that go. <laughs> Dr. Natasha Terman and I are going to be working on a piece uh, for a forthcoming publication that I'm so excited about that's going to honor this conversation that we've had today around STEM and leadership. So I don't want to take too much from that. But uh, then Dr. Rocco and I just were able to co-edit a piece around theory and operationalize it in practice. I think that is such a big conversation. And I'm so looking forward to how the brilliance of the authors who are part of that ensemble piece, how it's going to really uh, be such a great tool for the readers of that piece. Um, 
it's the other things that I'm working on. You're going to ILA, right? Are you at ILA? I will be at, yes, I'll be at the International Leadership Association Conference in um, Vancouver, British, Com British Columbia. And then, uh, uh, then a, a one more plug, and then I'm done plugging. The Leadership Educators Academy, uh, LEA, which happens every year. We just had yes. a fantastic LEA in Minneapolis, Minnesota this past August. It will be here at the University of Maryland College Park mm -hmm. in the last week of July, 2024. So I am so excited. When I tell you the people who lead this program are flipping brilliant, Flipping brilliant. So if you're a leadership educator who really wants to root your work well, I think this is the program for you, irregardless of the space that you're going to be in. And the beauty about that program is it is the mix. It's the mix mm -hmm. of higher education faculty. It's the mix of higher education practitioners. It's the mix of nonprofit. It's the mix of those in consulting. Because it's only when we get around the table together that we can learn the common vernacular. Because we have this, you know, mm -hmm. challenge and support. You know, we have these terms in student affairs that don't make any sense outside of student affairs. So <laughs> where are we going so that we can learn other vernaculars, so that we can communicate across disciplines in the ways in which that are most powerful. And I think LEA is one thing to do that. So Dr. Term and I have a piece coming out. Uh, Dr. Rocco and I were able to be co-editors and then I'll be at ILA in October in Vancouver. We will have the Leadership Educators Academy here at the University of Maryland College Park. To learn more about that program, you can go to the International Leadership Association's website and there's more information about Leadership Educators Academy there. The doctor brother Darren Pierre, uh, and um, it's going to be really fun. It's also it's great to be able to to work alongside folks who you admire and have such respect for. And so I'm grateful to be able to do that with you, Darren. Um, and the collaborative piece that uh, Darren and Mel did together. I have a a, a chapter or uh, on what was my chapter on authentic leadership <laughs> um and you know thinking about what that looks like and you know how to provide pedagogical and um co-curricular recommendations of how that shows up and how we teach that and and so that's um so i i while i feel like sometimes being in this stem context removes me um from my i guess formal training and world and home um i have managed to stay connected actually through scholarship and, and through writing and then being able to present that. So I'll also be at ILA um, to um, this next month uh, in October. Um, and so I hope that I get to connect with some amazing folks. Um, if you're in the building, uh, please yeah. do connect and, and hang out with us. Uh, and then I, um, Goodness gracious, what is happening in 2024? That's too far to think, Darren. You're like, you already know what's happening in July of 2024. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, for me, wanting to flesh out more this like, you know, critical perspectives in STEM education is a mm -hmm. lane that I, you know, I get to work with the seismic um, project, which is the Sloan Equity and Inclusion in uh, introductory like, STEM courses. Um, and it's a collaboration for institutions, multiple institutions across the country. And Michigan's kind of the host uh, institution, but I've done that since I've started at Michigan, and that has been a space where I have been able to kind of nurture this facet of my identity and um, being able to uh, help folks understand 
you know, what, how much there is to learn from the humanities and the social sciences when they think about their STEM work and why reflections, something as simple as a reflection is powerful, right? And, and, and why, you know, theoretical perspectives like critical race theory and intersectionality and feminism are also important, you know, in engineering and why that work matters. And so, um, so I'm looking forward to kind of further flushing that out and, and, tapping into some spaces um, that maybe historically um, haven't had that conversation. Um, so yeah, I think that's what's on the horizon for me as well. Amazing. May I do one more plug? Do um, all of them. I can't believe I missed this, but Susan Comez and Julie Owen have a research agenda for leadership learning and development yes. of higher education. I think that book is phenomenal. And I think it is a, it is a great read and do it at your own leisurely pace, but a research agenda for leadership learning and development through higher education edited by Susan Comavez and Julie Owen. An incredible piece with phenomenal co-authors on that piece uh, that I think illuminates <laughs> the forward moving conversation of leadership. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to read what the two of you all are cooking up. It was like the perfect amount of a spoiler of like, oh, they're writing together, but we aren't sure what yet, you know? Um, yeah, so thank you all for that. I think, um, one, we should have done this at ILA. We should have all had a fun lunch and had a, a, we should have had a nice little podcast brunch, you know? We could have had a real fun time, but we'll do that anyway offline, you know, <laughs> and do that in Vancouver. But we just want to thank you all both again for joining us. I think um, Melissa and I were talking about the season. You all were at the forefront of our Tongues of Wanting Deaf conversation because we know how important this work is, but it's really something profound and different to see you all do it in a space that is, again, what we call in student affairs non-traditional traditional writer outside of uh, kind of the student affairs space that we typically live in. So it's really wonderful to see that you are having this profound impact in the classroom, outside the classroom, um, but really in this in this new field and discipline. So we just thank you all so much for offering your brilliance and voice. Thank you for the thank invitation. Yeah, cool. We also hope that you'll join the National Clearinghouse for Leadership Programs and our leadership educator friends from around the country and the world at this year's Leadership Educator Symposium, December 13th through 15th, 2023 at the University of Tampa. Our topic this year is liberatory learning and leadership education, exploring the philosophy and practice of co-construction. Find out more and register now at nclp.umd.edu forward slash programs.